Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the films Help and Spice World. You don't have to have seen the films to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen either of them, just be aware that we may talk about the plot and we may spoil it for you. Enjoy. Hello, here we are in our new room. It's the it's the lost levels. It's the episode that never was. It's yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of little bit of context here, everyone. Um, my computer did a bad thing and crashed and lost the recording of the previous episode, which was it did a. It was the greatest episode of the podcast ever. We laughed, we cried, we changed the world, but it's been lost to time. Um, somewhere, a corrupted file in my Max hard drive, and that that's where it is. Um, but we are back, and to make it up to you all, we do have a little special surprise for you all, don't we? So this is a double bill. A double bill, yeah. And that doesn't mean that we just said, oh, what film are we doing next week? Let's just combine that randomly. No, it's a thematic double bill. It is. Something that totally makes sense that we we talked about on the last episode and then thought, why not? Let's do it. Exactly. So we have The Beatles in Help as our first movie, but then we are going to talk about The Spice Girls in Spice World. That's as... the full title. <laughs> That's the full title. Um, yeah. Um, as our as our second as our second movie, so a double bill of music themed movies that may or may not be terrible. Two um, films, more than thirty years apart, but it's like no time has passed at all when you watch them back to back. Exactly, exactly. Um, so to begin with, I guess, do you want to start by talking about Help? Yes, I do. So yeah, Help. We'll we'll retread some of the stuff that we did in the last episode. I don't know that I can recapture, obviously, the gold that I had, all all my, all the little cracks I had at Ringo Starr, all the fun jokes I had at George Harrison's expense. You know, it's it's all just it's lost, it's lost to the sounds of time. But to get through two hundred episodes and for this to be the first time that's happened, I think that's good. I think it is, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, lost in time like tears in the rain, to quote uh, Blade Runner. Oh. Um, which, which is, we covered on one of our episodes. I can't remember. Which we did. We did. We did. Because that was a good episode. We did both of the Blade Runner movies, didn't we? Um, and I think it's fair to say that neither of these films is as good as either of the Blade Runners, even though no. they are entirely different films. In our league of where we must rank every movie, I don't think they quite come up. But Help is an enjoyable little romp, isn't it? I, I really enjoyed it and I wasn't really sure what to expect because I said to you before that I thought I had seen it before but I hadn't I think maybe it's one of those things where you're you're sort of vaguely aware of something or maybe be- just because it's the Beatles I just thought yeah of course I've seen the Beatles in that even though I knew I'd never seen a hard day's night which is one of those things I've always meant to get around to be to seeing and I, I love the Beatles' music I just, just like you just never get around to it do you so I thought maybe I'd seen this as a child or seen it some of the some of the time. I thought I had a vague memory of it, but I didn't. So 
I was seeing it for the first time, and wow, it's it's quite something when you see this film at the fir- for the first time, isn't it? It's uh, it's a really odd film, and not just because of the context of it being oh, it was the sixties, it it was it was zany, it was this and this that and whatever. It was really out there for the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a very strange movie. Um, just for a bit of context, it is a. Uh, a, a spy movie spoof that plays into a lot of absurdist and slapstick humor um, and and messes around with a variety of genres along the way. But the sort of core component, it's this almost James Bond spoof that's the through road throughout the entire thing. Um, and it, it's got this kind of goofy, goofy element to it. And I almost wish that I was in your position where I could see it for the first time, because this is a film that I don't ever remember watching for the first time because it was such a large component of my childhood back in the day. Um, And I haven't watched it since I was very, very young. Um, So there's just these flashes in my memory of this film um, of the Beatles doing various things like skiing and there being bombs and there being a death cult and a big ring that Ringo can't get off his finger. Skiing um, whilst dressed as Ebenezer Scrooge from the Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um but yeah so you watched this with your parents. Yeah. You were, so, and yeah. did you get the whole sort of Bond parody element of it or were you just watching a lot of this stuff and thinking, why are, why is everyone trying to kill Ringo? I think probably a mixture of the two because I also as we've discussed several times on this podcast, my parents were very lenient about what I watched as a kid. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the the cent- joke I always make is you came out of the womb watching Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the 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 level of um, awareness of what their children shouldn't shouldn't watch consisted of my dad fast forwarding through the rape scene in Deliverance, um, so that I didn't see it apart from him fast forward. Which as a very it's a nice film child, about men playing banjos. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, it's a pastoral, <laughs> you know, lovely. A, yeah. a bunch of men go on a nice boating trip in the south of america and then kill some people for no reason whatsoever apart from there was that blurry scene in fast forward that you couldn't really understand because you were five years old um so he was okay with the killing just not with the bumming yeah exactly exactly um or yeah you know watching things like alien watching things like terminator predator stuff like that incredibly violent things um was was par for the course and and bond was a part of that as well which obviously isn't quite on the same level as deliverance in what you should and shouldn't show your children but um but I already they're, they're still rumpy pumpy and shooting people and stuff yeah you know? yeah but but I even in my my very young brain I had an idea of this is a bond movie and then the Beatles is oh this is like a funny bond movie with the Beatles in it um but a lot of it a lot of it I didn't really remember very well and so revisiting it is very very fun so the the story is <laughs> Ringo gets sent a ring in the post. Turns out that whoever wears this ring has to be uh, sacrificed by this cult. And so this cult keeps trying to kill him. Um, They come to London where he lives in his house. Or are they in Liverpool? It's never quite clear, is it? So I think it's Liverpool, isn't it? But then they travel to London later on. They travel to London to do London shenanigans because we want to see London on film. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, it's the classic comedy plot of a death cult trying to murder someone. Um, yeah, classic. This is where that comes from, by the way. This is the the original version of that. The original comedy death cult. Um, yeah. But but basically, what it is, it's a 
it every so often they throw in a song from the album help um that doesn't really tie into the plot but it's fun anyway and they have these little mini music videos throughout and in between that silly stuff happens um in an almost it's almost like monty python and um it's 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 like a pre-monty python which makes a lot of sense because the same things that influence this so the comedy of spike milligan um for instance influenced yeah the goon show influenced monty python as well so there's this very clear through road of you know if you enjoy things like the monty python movies you'll probably quite enjoy help it's a similar kind of comedy yeah and you can reminisce about when john cleese was actually funny centuries ago (laughs) uh yeah before he became basil faulty yeah Um, before that literally happened (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a fun little Bond spoof. You've got some really fun little scenes, you know, like you mentioned, uh, four Ebenezer Scrooges snowing in a, in a snowy mountain, singing some songs and then nearly getting blown up. Um, them trying to run away from uh, assassins in uh, in Westminster Castle as well. Westminster Castle? Westminster Palace. What is Westminster, Westminster Castle? Castle? Yeah, the, the famous <laughs> British landmark that all the tourists famous come British. here to go to. You know, I need, I need to spend more time watching movies that are, uh, uh, are patriotic about London, if I'm calling it Westminster yeah. Castle. Don't That's I? where Prince Philip died, in Westminster Castle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's got this kind of very goofy kind of humor but i think it works pretty well so there's a scene that i always uh loved as a kid and that i really loved re-watching it where they're they're outside and they wave to their fans and they go oh they're such good young lads and you know the the fame hasn't got to their heads and then they open the door and it all leads into one giant apartment that they share together so these four separate doors of these four separate terrace houses into this one sort of uh futuristic as of the 1960s apartment where there's like coffee machines built into the walls sandwich machines built into the walls um it's like a diner yeah exactly it's like a diner um and then with all this very bizarre stuff so george harrison's got this grass out in front of his bed which is being cut by a gardener apart from he's using two pairs of false teeth to cut it um paul McCartney. that's what they did in the 60s they didn't before you know the I'm trying to remember the lawnmower. That's the word. Yeah. That was not invented in, until the 70s. Famously so invented in Westminster it. Castle, I think. By Prince Philip. By Prince Philip, yeah. Um, yeah. They're mourning the loss of the man who invented the lawnmower yeah, this week. Exactly, exactly. Uh, R.I.P. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, and, and there's other bits in that where sort of like you've got Paul McCartney playing an, playing an organ that slowly rises out of the ground and stuff like that. It's very surreal, very silly, but it 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 works incredibly well. And it, it, it's a movie that holds up quite well as this strange curio of the 60s, I suppose. Yeah, but it's this is also where that kind of trope of a band all living together and goofing around comes from, which is a thing that appears in popular culture quite a lot, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, of course, if you're a band, you would all live together. And not just that, but live in one big room, sleep in the same room where it's also a diner. Yeah, well, I mean, that's my dream for us as a band. <laughs> yeah, I, want us all to, I want us all to live in a giant house together. I'll take the organ that rises up out of the floor. I'll take the, Very the, happy with that. I'll take the little grass patch either side of my bed. Um, I think, have yeah, you got enough false teeth, though? I don't. I'd have to get some false teeth and a gardener. Um, yeah. to be able to live that dream. Um, yeah, you can't operate those false teeth yourself. No, no, you need you need a professional, don't you? 
Yeah. You know, not, and not everyone is, is skilled in using false teeth. A teeth wrangler, you know, one of those <laughs> professions that died out after the 60s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, automation killed off the teeth wrangling profession. Um, a real shame. Um, but, but yeah, there's lots of other, you know, really funny moments as well. Um, you know, there, there's some very bizarre scenes where, for instance, Paul McCartney gets shrunk down to be <laughs> tiny and then gets stuck in, a, um, in an ashtray um, where he ends up having a bath in some spilled coffee. Um, really, Do you think they did that by getting a giant ashtray and filling it with coffee. I think they did that by literally shrinking down Paul McCartney. This was the Beatles in the sixties. They had more spared, money than God. They spared no expense. They found a way to shrink Paul McCartney down, and it's it's a scene that adds nothing to the plot. And I think a lot of a lot of this movie adds nothing to the plot. It's a very loose film. It's almost like a series of sketches pulled together um, into in, into one place. Yeah, and it's not trying to be more than that, really, is it? I think the fact that it's presented as a feature film makes people think that there's going to be some some huge plot and it's going to be really tight and it's going to be really like thrilling. But actually, it's the opposite of that. It's just saying, look, we're the Beatles. We're having a lot of fun being the Beatles. We've written some songs. We want to present them to you in a way that's engaging and fun and also spoofs other films. And we're just going to have a laugh. And we're we're smoking a lot of weed, so, you know, enjoy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it was literally quoted as this movie was made under a haze of marijuana. That is not <laughs> hyperbole. That is how it's described as being. The, the Beatles were stoned out of their bonnets throughout the entirety of the making of Help, um, which I suppose goes some way of the way to explaining, um, you know, their general demeanor throughout the film it's very light-hearted very silly and it seems as though a lot of the time they don't entirely know what's going on but are just happy to be in a film yeah um, which seemed vaguely intentional on the part of um richard dick lester who directed it um it seemed like a lot of the time he didn't really tell them loads about what was going on and they were just high and happy to be there and uh, that really that comes across and i think that is the thing that really gives it this sense of fun you know if it was very tightly scripted and you know, shot in a very a more professional way, then it would just come across as po-faced, wouldn't it? Which is the opposite of fun. Exactly, exactly. So I think you know, the the heavy use of drugs in the making of this movie probably made it more fun to watch. Um, don't go doing drugs, though, people. It is bad for you unless you're a Beatle in the '60s making a movie. Yeah, it disclaimer, was a different time. disclaimer: Don't do drugs unless you're in that very specific time period and situation. And Don't do drugs unless you're in the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, there's there's all of these funny stories about how, um, you know, when they're in the snow scene, they ran over the, the brow of a hill and then smoked a joint before coming back and things like that. And they just kept on running because they were <laughs> they high. They just kept going, yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's it's clearly, you know, a very fun time to make it. Maybe not fun time if you were part of the crew, um, having to deal with four incredibly stoned, hugely successful and popular musicians instead of professional actors. But nonetheless, it's 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 a lot of fun to watch. And I think clearly this movie exists. It was released before the release of Help the Album. Um, and a big reason that it exists in the first place is to sell the album Help. Um and it does. We, that. Could, we talked a bit on the last episode about how that compares to Prince because the week <laughs> week before we talked about Prince's masterpieces, Graffiti Bridge and Three Chains O' Gold, 
And so Prince did the opposite thing with Three Chains of Gold, where he released the Love Symbol album and two years later followed it up with a bunch of horny nonsense music videos strung together to vaguely seem like a film, but not really. And, yeah. you know, he owes a debt to the Beatles in that respect. <laughs> yeah, and, and Help is a considerably better movie than either of them. I'd also say it's probably better than than um, Purple Rain as well, um, just in terms of being enjoyable to watch. And also incorporating the music in a fun and engaging way because i think a lot of the time with the prince movies um the the music was there and it was a through road thematically with what was going on but it felt very jarring you know (laughs) the end of purple rain is just a prince show for instance um it's literally half an hour of like his live concert at the end after he's saved his club from demolition and made peace with his abusive alcoholic father or pushed his girlfriend in a lake or whatever it is he needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it's quite jarring the, the blend in those films between it, but here, even though the music has very little to do with the main plot of the film at all, um, it works quite well because they're these fun little music videos. It's almost like these tiny vignettes, which split up these different sections of the film. You know, it's not a film that's very well structured at all. Deliberately. Like we said, it's almost just a series of skits randomly thrown together through a haze of marijuana. But what it does manage to do is, is constantly engage people. And when it feels like it might be going off the rails a little bit too much, it brings you back in with, Hey, here's a little Beatles music video. Yeah, and part of that is showing what it's like to be in a band. You know, one day you are shooting a music video in front of some tanks, and then the next day someone's trying to murder you. You know, that's <laughs> I mean, that's how it works. If I had a pound for every time that happened to us, I would be a millionaire. Literally yeah. all the time there's death cults trying to kill me, going, that's that bassist from that band, let's get him. The thing is, you're never bothered about it. Just no. like Ringo in this film, yeah. it's like a woman tries to bite his hand off through at the very beginning, like through the letterbox, and he's just like, "Oh, some bit my finger." Oh, all right bit then, my finger. On yeah. to ten successive gags about the Beatles and being in the Beatles and taking the piss out of each other. Yeah, and and that's a that's a great sort of. It's another great point of comedy in this movie is um, they are so callous. The rest of the Beatles are so callous towards Ringo's plight. Um, and a lot of the humor comes out of that. So a lot of the time they really don't care that he's in, in peril. Um, no. they, uh, and they genuinely, when they do even realize the gravity of the situation, they still don't really care that Ringo might die. So there's this great scene where they're sitting around um, and um, and George Harrison's like, oh, there's a good drummer in Manchester, good looking too, thinking about how they will replace Ringo when he gets murdered by this cult. Um then when they think about maybe cutting off his finger to save his life that way, you've got Paul McCartney going, oh, it's just like having a tooth out. Don't worry about it. And they're, they're sitting around saying like, oh, you can drum without using your ring finger. It's fine. Um, and it's just really yeah. funny how little they care about it. There's, there's little mini jokes about getting rid of a useless member as well, where they're talking about the finger, but also then obviously also, also talking about Ringo, um, the drummer that, none of them particularly respected for his musical ability no <laughs> um but yeah it's uh it, yeah and and so there there is some quite funny moments like that in it it's not just goofball humor all the way through there's some pretty good dialogue from them as well 
Yeah, every single line of this film is a gag. And usually you wouldn't necessarily think that that's a good thing because it can be a bit relentless. But when that's interspersed with the music videos and sort of goofy chase scenes and stuff, it just about works, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It still all, all feels very... Um, it, it feels very refreshing to watch. And often when we go back to... And, and, and we've watched a few movies from the 60s for the podcast. And... Often when you go back to them, it's really interesting what stands out as being refreshing and what stands out as being quite stale. Um, and this movie generally feels quite refreshing because it is a kind of film that doesn't really get made anymore in terms of its tone. Um, well, we'll get onto Spice World in a bit, won't we? And we and we will, yeah. We'll talk we'll talk about that more in depth about Spice World, the greatest movie of all time. Um, but but this kind of comedy doesn't really happen that much anymore. The closest you get to something like this, I suppose, is movies like Anchorman, where they're deliberately pastiching something that has higher ideas of theme, but doing it through the lens of a comedy. Um, even other other spoofs of spy movies like Spy, which is a film I've talked about a few times on this podcast that I really love, um, still doesn't quite feel as goofy as this there's still that dramatic tension here and there um rather than having this sheer light-hearted idea all the way through it like help does um and i suppose something that also really helps is that the music is still great yeah i mean it's the beatles what can you say about the beatles the great the greatest band ever potentially one of the most influential acts certainly and for for a reason you know their songs still hold up as pop bangers, and there are quite a few in this film. And there, there are a few, quite a few songs of different moods, aren't there? There's "Help." the The title song is just still a fantastic song, and it's one of those songs where it all kicks in immediately on the first beat, and you're like, "Yes, I'm in now." But you also got "Ticket to Ride" or a "Chicken to Ride," as some friend of the podcast, Adam Molesky, thought it was called. <laughs> That's his actual name. She's got a chicken to ride. Yep. Um, you've no, also no one, got, got, no one rides a chicken in this film, you've, unfortunately. You've also but. got Lose That Girl, which I made a note of this, is a cuck anthem. Yeah, ultimate cuck anthem. It's the, <laughs> the Scotty doesn't know of the 60s. <laughs> yeah, basically the Beatles saying, um, we're going to steal your girlfriend, which to be fair, they probably could do quite easily if you were anybody other than the Beatles in the 60s. Of course. Um, even Ringo. Even Ringo, the one who nobody fancies. Um <laughs> he'd still be able to steal your girlfriend look at him he's one of the Beatles. yeah i mean ultimately a sexy woman sent him that ring right well exactly i bet he that's got how sent... this whole whole thing came about i bet he got sent all sorts of of dangerous cult memorabilia in the post when he was when the Beatles were at their peak um yeah but but yeah the, the music's still incredible um for me at least help is help is one of my favorite Beatles albums there's there's a few Beatles albums that i really love obviously the white album is fantastic it's got such great songs as Bungalow Bill. Um, Your favourite. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Um, but no, in all seriousness, the, the White Album does have some some brilliant stuff on it as well. You've got things like um, uh, Back in the USSR, for instance, which is a real rock and roll banger. Um, yeah. Or, um, you know, uh, Wild Turn a Pie. Sorry, I can't not make fun of the shit that's on the White Album. But you've you've got really great stuff and experimental stuff like Happiness is a Warm Gun. Um, or you've got um, more sort of 
uh, fun little numbers like um, everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey, for instance, <laughs> um, or, or proto heavy metal like Helter Skelter. Um, yeah. And and so, yeah, that's a fascinating album. You've got Revolver as well, which again is more towards the experimental side of what they're doing later in their career. Um, but for me, at least, Help really stands out because it's this it's this middle point where they you can see the experimentation kicking in um no doubt fueled by marijuana um if this album and and the the movie is anything to go by but that you can feel this experimental edge coming in in comparison to the more um rigid sound that they had earlier in their career and i think it's it's quite an interesting album in that respect and if you were to i think if you were to point at one beatles album that encapsulated everything that they did or or maybe maybe that's not the right word but if it was like an average of everything that they did in their career i'd say help is probably one of the ones you go to to do that yeah if you asked like an algorithm machine to generate a beatles album that's the kind of thing you might get if you fed in all the other albums into it yeah yeah what what about yourself what's your um what's your favorite i I, I really enjoy the early stuff when you can tell that they're just a lot of really young lads who have an amazing talent for singing so um, and for just you know writing brilliant pop songs where it all sounds really raw but it's like it's it's beautiful so please please me and with the beatles i, re- I actually really really like there's just you know they're all really lovely love songs on there aren't there but i don't know sergeant pepper's good but as you say the white album is really something it's really the white album feels like it's on a different plane of existence almost doesn't it so it's almost like you have to go with that yeah yeah i think yeah you've got that um you got abbey road as well you know maybe an underrated um album or maybe that people look over in comparison to things like sergeant peppers but they have so many sort of titanically good songs that it's really impossible i think to choose an album because you always think oh well that's losing that you choose the white album you've not got come together or whatever yeah i mean it's easy to pick a best song because octopus's garden exists (laughs) yeah sorry glass onion exists (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Take that, Beatles. We're ripping on you. <laughs> yeah, oh. take that, Ringo Starr. <laughs> take that, Ringo. Um, but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. It's it's hard to pinpoint it. And you think about the the sheer quality of, of iconic songs that they created over the course of only a decade in the end. Um, it's, it's really impressive. Um, but yeah, for me, at least, I think the Beatles, uh, the, the Beatles can really be sort of you can pinpoint help as sort of like a good if if an alien came to earth and was like show me your beatles but only one album he'd probably go here's help give it a listen yeah don't, don't here's help and also alien. there's a, a goofy weird film attached to it which you'll love yeah yeah exactly it's got scientists with shrinking rays you know aliens love those oh yeah they do big fans of that yeah, because as well as the death cult trying to follow them, there are scientists who want the ring for some other reason, and they're like bungling guys who are also trying to kill him or capture him. It's not really clear, is it? Yeah, they um, <laughs> they're doing something, aren't they? I think that the ring will be able to allow them to take over the world for some reason, whether it's <laughs> that they're going to put it into a big laser or sell it to the CIA, or maybe it's got some kind of great scientific properties that are never really explained but um yeah you've got you've got the two scientists one of them is is roy kinnear yeah um which is great um who yeah is really good fun as a sort of more bumbling sidekick 
scientist. You um, believe him as a scientist, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, and yeah, so, so it's really good fun. The one thing I would say, though, and I, I brought this up on the Lost episode as well, is this film is a bit racist. It, Yeah, it's of its time. There's a lot of stuff about it that is dated and that you will want to gloss over perhaps if you want to really enjoy it let's say you you can't enjoy it but you do have to acknowledge that yes there are elements of it that are quite racist yeah so so the main antagonists are this uh indian cult uh that are based on thuggies and it's not particularly well handled as you can imagine of a movie from the 60s um there's also the odd joke at the expense of native americans or american indians and it's like hmm not too sure about that um but it's not the worst example of racism from from that time period but do bear that in mind if you're going into it is it is dated in that regard and you know it's it's not great yeah but as movies from that era being dated you know go it's probably not as bad as most of the stuff from that time no no i mean there's james bond movies that are far more racist than this um so yeah so don't if if you can handle in general movies from the 60s this isn't one of the more egregious examples of of um you know casual racism in there um no of so course not and it's the beatles yeah it's the beatles it's the beatles um, it's the beatles very high having a lot of fun <laughs> extreme, singing great songs extremely high running through a field while people shoot at them falling through a trapdoor in a pub and then there's a tiger <laughs> Yeah, there's just so much strange stuff that happens in this movie. It's, it's and then they yeah. go to the Bahamas, of course, because it's very nice there. Of course they do. Um, so, question for you. Discussion point of whether this movie is a shit piece. No, it's. I think it's too good. I wondered yeah. about this because you're, I did watch it thinking, this is ridiculous. It has a lot of the qualities that, we, that a shit piece has to have by being ridiculous and silly and having a sort of ambition um but it's no it's i think it fulfills its ambition as well because that's the thing if if a film is really ambitious and it doesn't get there then often that's a reason for it to for you to sort of laugh at its hubris but i think it did it does exactly what it sets out to do which is to produce a goofy and fun film about the beatles and yes it's it's very silly and it doesn't really hang together but that alone is not enough to make it a shit piece. It's almost too good, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 for any new listeners, just what is a shit piece? A shit piece is not a movie that's shit. A shit piece is a is a majestic, bizarre movie experience. Um, so it could be a movie that's so bad it's good. It could be a movie that's incredibly strange. But I think the real through road of what makes a shit piece is having a gravitas that it doesn't quite reach and i think that's that it's really trying to yeah whereas this movie i think it's not trying to just not trying to change the world it's trying to be a fun little absurdist comedy that doesn't really have a lot of sense and that you'll enjoy and and that's what it does so yeah it's got lots of bizarre elements that in a movie that had a a greater idea of what it wanted to set out to be it would definitely be a shit piece but i think it does what it wanted to do um so no on the shit piece front but yes on the enjoyable to watch front i've been trying to find where we first where we coined the term shit piece and i can't remember which episode it was can you so was it jupiter um, ascending was it jupiter ascending was that the first one i feel like we might have said said it before that 
So yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that episode. It may well have been that we talked about shit pieces before that point, but then we established that Jupiter Ascending was the quintessential shit piece, which it is. Um, I don't think it's the shit pieces shit piece. (laughs) The shit piece to end all shit piece. Yeah. Um, yeah, which oh, we should. It might have been done in point. the context of something like William and Kate the movie, maybe, 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 yeah. Um, but but overall, you know, it might not be a shit piece, but it's still a strange curio of the sixties and one that's really enjoyable to watch. And I think I've seen all the Beatles movies, but I don't really remember them very well. And this has made me think maybe I'll go back and rewatch them all. Maybe it'll be fun to watch them all again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, at some point, um, maybe I'll watch the other Beatles movies again. I remember Magical Mystery Tour, there being a man in a terrifying walrus mask, but that's about it of what I remember about that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. That sounds like it's even more out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But I, I remember there being a bus and a man in a walrus mask, and that's literally it. Um, that sounds like my life. <laughs> yes, but speaking of buses, um, uh, that's that's a good link. I like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> but it's not it's not the only link though. So so Spice World for majority of the runtime, this is not an exaggeration, takes place on a bus. Um, but <laughs> it's not the only. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. It is almost like the bus that couldn't slow down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speed World. <laughs> um, but it isn't. That isn't the um, that isn't the only uh, through road between the movies. Though there's a couple of other things. So obviously, it takes a lot of influence from the Beatles movies. You know, looking at Hard Day's Night as a as a primary example there. Um, but that's not the only thing that that's the same. So you've also got that um, sort of uh, Bond light feel to it. The beginning intro scene is very much like a Bond intro. Um, you've also got lighthearted expense at the uh, uh, lighthearted fun at the military's expense in both movies as well. Yep, with um, Michael Barrymore. <laughs> with Michael Barrymore, <laughs> very strange. There's a blast from the past. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, and 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 the same kind of just constant non sequiturs that they try and merge together into a movie. Um, but I think it's fair to say that Spice World is not as successful <laughs> a film. <laughs> As, as the Beatles movie. It's also of its time, right? 1997. Yeah. yeah. Crazy time. This is a film that was heavily fueled by cocaine, not from the Spice Girls. I do not think that of them. But someone in the production of this movie, potentially who came up with the idea, was clearly doing things that they're not supposed to be doing because this is such a weird, weird film. It's really odd. And the, the thing about it is it is a bit like things like Help in that no one's approached it with the kind of we need there to be an actual plot, really. But then at times there are lots of things that string together like a plot where you look at it and you go, oh, if you maybe just develop that bit a little bit or move that bit over there or kind of actually had some character development here or stripped out all of it and made it just about, I don't know, the newspaper bastards or something like that, you could actually have quite a good film film. But instead, what they did was they got sort of seven or eight set pieces, set pieces in a shit piece, and decided that they were going to have those with the Spice Girls, and then they they sort of strung those together, kind of with a plot about them getting to the Albert Hall and newspaper baddies and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> That's it's, how it works. They just put they strung together a bunch of weird set pieces 
because that's what you do when you're making a film that's about a musical act. Yeah, it's it is bizarre, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It, there's something very odd about this film in a way that the Beatles movies aren't, and I think part of that is the way that they handle the music because in this film, the music is generally played straight as the Spice Girls singing a song, whether they're filming a video, appearing on television, or playing yeah. a concert at the end. And it's you, there's never a scene where one of them plays a woman like a guitar while they're singing <laughs> no. the, a cook anthem. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Um it's 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 yeah, it's really weird that way in that if you're if you're doing a movie where the the, the lead actors are musicians you want the musicians to play their music and do it in a way that's engaging. And I don't think necessarily they managed to do that. And they, they put a lot of emphasis here on the individual characters of the Spice Girls. So, you know, sporty, baby, scary, ginger and posh. And they really play up to those, those stereotypes in the same way that they did with the general PR around them. And they kind of try and... It's the logical endpoint of that PR strategy, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And they try and use that to push the, 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 the the character motivation almost along. Um, And it doesn't quite work in the same way. This movie needed a death cult to be chasing Scary Spice around (laughs) because she put on a ring that was going to lead to her being sacrificed. It does have aliens coming after them at one point, to be fair. It does have. and, And there are so many strange things that happen in this film. And yeah, the aliens is probably the weirdest. So they get off their magical tour bus, this tour bus that's massive on the inside, bigger than most houses. Being um, driven inexplicably by meatloaf. Being driven by meatloaf. <laughs> Mr. Loaf, Mr. as Loaf. he likes to be referred to. As is his his, his, his proper name. Um, and that's true. That's not a joke no, that yeah. I just made up. That's true. <laughs> Mr. Loaf, yeah. Um, I always remember that he was on, he was on kids TV in the UK um when when i was when i was a, a, a wee ban and um and one of the <laughs> there was a little interview with him on somewhere like smtv or something like that or whatever the precursor to smtv was and they were reading out questions that had been sent in and and someone said uh, clearly this this young kid had wrote in and gone oh mr meatloaf if you became a vegetarian would you change your name to nutloaf and he deadpan just went well actually i am vegetarian and there was just this awkward silence <laughs> before they moved on to the next question um which is yeah that's one of those that's my lasting memory of meatloaf that and his appearance in fight club um which do, have you seen fight club yeah, not for a, not for a long time because he's but, he's yeah. in that he's Bob in Fight Club. Um, but, yeah, interesting career. Which, yeah, Mr. Loaf. yeah, very 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 varied. Uh, career. Well, this might be his greatest role. I think it definitely. If you're is. driving the bus that couldn't slow down. You're the one who's responsible for it not stopping, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, they they get off the bus because they all desperately need the loo, and all the loos are broken in the bus. Yeah, um, and one of them's already said really loudly, "I need to do a poo." <laughs> I need to do a poo. Um, and so they run out into the woods to go do their urinations and poos um all together all together because that's how bands work you and me we're constantly <laughs> defecating next to one another yeah um, all the time it's how bands you know that's what this show bonds. that's how we do this show yeah. we're both on the toilet we're both on the toilet um 
that's a horrible thought i'm very sorry everyone um but um but then uh yeah they run into some aliens who are like oh can we get tickets to your show and and like give me a kiss jerry and everything like that it's very fucking weird sorry for the swear so it's it's very weird and take a proto selfie yes yeah um it's um it's 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 very yeah it's such a strange scene but there's all sorts and they of tell their like manager that. richard e grant with someone drawn on his face with marker pen about it and he just goes <laughs> no that didn't happen no that didn't happen and then it's on to whatever the next weird set piece yeah is. and it's never mentioned again that they met aliens so again it's got that kind of it's got, got that kind of weird i sort of structure where nothing matters where everything just flows into one another and there's there's no consequence for anything that happens um but it doesn't work quite as well. And I think part of that is down to the sort of tone as well. This is a movie that's very much more referential. The number of cameos in it where the joke is that it is this person doing that is a little bit over the top. Yeah, um, it's like a who's who of British talent of the late 90s. Yeah, so so some of them work um, like um, <laughs> like uh, you've got you've got Richard O'Brien, don't you? Um, yeah. Who, who's great. Yeah. Um, as a, as a sort of creepy paparazzo um jennifer saunders turns up basically being a character out of ab fab um as well which is really good but then equally you've got some really shit ones like bob geldoff turns up um and to, to talk about his hair to talk about his hair you've got you've got barrymore as mentioned you've got jonathan ross being jonathan ross on tv um yeah barrymore at least he has to really perform and do something that's quite wacky and out there so he fulfills that role yeah yeah so so he manages to do it but then yeah you've got meatloaf as mentioned just being being their their bus driver um you've got bob hoskins as well (laughs) yeah who's in it which is great (laughs) coming out of a phone Um, box and i think something i I can't remember what i think that he says girl power in (laughs) jerry halliwell's voice doesn't he that's right um And then I think you've got the dad from Fleabag is in it as well. Um, <laughs> the dad from Fleabag. Dad from Fleabag, which is a wonderful show. Um, but yeah, so, so it's much more based around those kind of just, hey, look, here's this. Or or mentioning things like the paparazzo got photos of the telly, Teletubbies taking a poo and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I think, honestly, the, the way that this treats newspaper editors is 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 almost kind, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. I think, I think the way that it treats the the, the tabloid press in this country is very similar to um, how uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book "Kill Your Friends." No, um, it's, it's I think you've mentioned this before. Oh, I might have done actually. Yeah, it's it's basically what if American Psycho was funny and set in the music industry in the UK in the nineteen nineties. Um, so it's about this horrible psychopath who works in the music industry and and the treatment here of the tabloid journalists is is basically exactly the same as as how they portray the music industry in that book but we're starting oh, they're like big violence. old warty toad men yeah just being horrible for no reason other than that they are horrible human beings um which which is completely right but but there, there's there's some things in this movie that work quite well them being mean to tabloid journalists is great because no one likes you tabloid journalists no you're right for the sun get out you are you are people who crawl out of toilets literally yeah you are you are toilet people that's who you are go away um but uh but yeah then um uh, richard e grant is hilarious in this film 
I think he um, is the glue that holds this film together, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he adds he adds this level of intensity that is completely <laughs> out of sync with the rest of the film. Almost yeah, he's similar just sort to of like exasperated at everything, and they just they just like don't care about anything. And that tension is really what carries it. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, exactly. He's he's truly chewing on the hit scenery in the same way that Jeremy Irons does in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. It's a very similar <laughs> performance where you've got. I this... never thought those two films would be compared, but you've done it. <laughs> but it's true, uh, and, and 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 yeah, you've got these two actors with incredible gravitas appearing in movies well below their station and just enjoying themselves. And I think there's something really magical about that you know you've got i think creepy goblin man jules holland turns up in this film as well doesn't he, he does yeah he's like directing their rehearsal for no reason yeah he's just there um spice girls um yeah when you get to hear them do the same song twice yeah which is great you know you just so that the second time alan cumming and his film crew can can come along yeah yeah precisely because there's a weird subplot about alan cumming being a documentary filmmaker who's following them around who's just let in everywhere because that would definitely happen it's very weird that and and again that that's where a lot of the slapstick humor comes from as well where he falls in the thames and stuff like that and you just oh, i don't care. yeah um you've there's all... like a boat chase bit where they're all goofing around on a boat yep because <laughs> of course in the Docklands, is. of course there next is. to the Docklands Arena, which isn't there anymore. Oh, R.I.P. Docklands Arena. But if you want to see it in action, the 2002 DVD disaster pieces from the band Slipknot is filmed there, and it's very good. Oh, really? Excellent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've also got Roger Moore for some reason, and he makes some bad James Bond jokes. And he um, milk. He's giving milk to a pig. He's suckling a pig on a yeah. on a little yeah on a milk bottle very weird i have no idea why they're doing that i think that was roger moore's actual house and they just went and filmed him <laughs> there for a few hours and paid him 500 grand or something come on stupid. don't disrupt the pig <laughs> let's just film this um so direct link, link line from that through to bond through to help right yes yeah roger exactly. moore. can't roger get more moore. Bond than that roger moore precisely um but um but yeah there's some other bits which which made me laugh that maybe shouldn't have made me laugh um there is something extremely unsettling about Baby Spice in retrospect. And I think part of that is just that it's quite odd that you've got this this pop star who's like, I got five teddies in my bed. Um, yeah. But it's particularly disturbing because it's it's sandwiched between them singing a fucking Gary Glitter cover. <laughs> Yeah, which again you get to see twice, <laughs> which is because once is the rehearsal, and then you get to see and then the you get to see them perform it. But yeah, maybe with some men wearing suits with the bums cut out. Yeah, but I think yeah, the Gary Glitter cover, their cover's great, is better than the original. Um, but it's yeah, it's just a bit disconcerting that you've got like, oh, here's a here's someone pretending to be a young girl, and here's a song by a famous paedophile. <laughs> by like the most prolifically famous pedo of all time <laughs> yeah it's like oh dear um not so great bad did not age well in retrospect um no and something else that is bad about this is bless em, spice girls great band not great actors i'm really oh, sorry their acting is absolutely atrocious even though they're supposed to be playing themselves or like a version of themselves you can tell that they're trying to do that in a way that's 
put on all the time. It's yeah. it's awful. It's really it's, awful. It's incredibly bad. Um, you know, considerably worse than the Beatles. And the Beatles are doing a similar thing where they were playing up to what the public's perception of each of their personalities was. Um, it's a very, very similar setup, but it's so much worse here. Um, there are some bits which work quite well. I particularly enjoyed Posh by shouting in the ear of a kid in a coma. Um, <laughs> that yeah. was great. Um, and I think, you know, they played up at the time to to um, Victoria being the mean one who's stern and shouts at people and blah, blah, blah. And at least that yeah. worked quite successfully in this film where she just was allowed to be mean. And, and Jerry's thing seems to be animal facts. Yeah, famous, <laughs> famous animal facts. I have a fact about Jerry actually for you. So did you know that she is married to the team principal of the Red Bull Racing Formula One team? I knew it was a Formula One man, yeah. but I didn't know the detail. Yeah, so so Christian Horner is um, is Jerry's husband and he is the team principal of Red Bull. Um, is the team principal like a school principal? Like does he... <laughs> teach them how to drive fast he, he or does walks, he drive fast he walks around in a in a jacket with with elbow patches and goes oh don't you go driving too fast max verstappen no so he's like the he he's he's like the uh the coach if you will the the, right. the manager so the sort of main strategist who manages the team from on high over all of the technical aspects and the strategic aspects and 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 driver management and everything like that um, cool so yes yeah, so yeah they, they, they are they are a married couple and they have children together um but he unfortunately does not appear in this movie it would be very funny if he did and got pushed no, in but what you do get is richard tents. e grant in a green velvet suit with a matching green tie and green shirt wearing sunglasses while people pitch him awful film ideas <laughs> which i could watch all day i could watch yeah i could watch if they made 90 minutes of just people pitching terrible movie ideas to him that would that would make it and i would i would love to watch some of those movies the 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 spice girls in a crocodile horror movie yeah sign me right up for that they're playing a show in the bayou and an alligator starts trying to eat them (laughs) yes i will watch that i will watch that all day every day the barge that couldn't slow down (laughs) them being a set of super spies absolutely 100 percent. give me that um interestingly enough there is going to be an animated movie of the spice girls did you know this no yeah so it's in pre-production apparently where it will be the spice girls as superheroes with the spice girls returning to voice their own animated versions of themselves okay um which yeah is is interesting i have no idea how that's going to work but um, i don't hate the idea of that yeah, I'd watch it. Um, yeah, give me another Spice Girls movie. But it could not be the shit piece that is Spice World. No, and I would probably say that this is a shit piece. I, th- I think this is a shit piece, yeah. That is going to be, be my verdict for sure. It is ridiculous. You know, it's, it's got all these moments like where suddenly it does the, the spinny thing like in a... Like in a cartoon where it's suddenly flashing back to something, or but it's like a fantasy of... Um, baby spice getting away literally getting away with murder and hugh laurie's being a detective for 30 seconds for no reason you know all those kind of things that's real that's shit piece quality isn't it yeah because there's not the cohesive sort of tone that that the beatles movies have this is 
a real scattergun nonsense and it doesn't achieve what it sets out to do which is be a fun movie about the spice girls it is just this bizarre series of weird events um so yeah 100 shit piece in my opinion yeah but i wonder if it was received okay at the time i mean i think at the time if you loved the spice girls and you went to see it you'd probably have thought great i've got to see like my favorite band all goofing around and doing the things that we love to see them doing being the caricatures of themselves that they've made and there it is it's on film it's out there yeah yeah exactly um it's it's here it's it's certainly something um it is the most 90s thing to ever exist the only way it could have been more 90s is if mr blobby was in it somewhere oh god yeah you can't (laughs) you keep half expecting noel edmonds to turn up don't you yeah exactly so so it, it was it was successful financially i think um it was number one in the box office in the uk but also successful in the states um no surprises there they were they had more money than god at that time didn't they they were the they were, they were the beatles yeah, the biggest band in the world they were the beatles um yeah it took over 100 million in box office and then obviously did pretty well um with with home home sales as well um but obviously did not go down too well with uh with critics at the time um, i'm sure but it's not racist apart from maybe slightly racist towards one italian man um, which bit was that so Sorry. oh the the director yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I think he gets a, a hard a hard time um but apart from that it's it's pretty it's pretty There's innocent some... comedy some quite irresponsible scenes where they take a pregnant woman out to a nightclub. <laughs> yes, but, after throwing their rubbish in the Thames, but it's <laughs> eating it, chips on a bench. But it's 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 girl power. If you're pregnant, you should still be able to go out to nightclubs. Yeah, that's feminism. That's how <laughs> that's, it works. That's feminism. That's how it works. Um, uh, <laughs> Sub the baby. The baby can deal with it. It's not yeah, even been born yet. Exactly. The baby's going to have a great time. It's out clubbing with the Spice Girls. Um, also taking a couple of kids out on a boat uh, without their parents' knowledge and then dropping them into the water. Probably yeah. not the best thing to do. I'm like, where did they get those kids from? There's no, yeah, it's not even really explained, <laughs> is it? Uh, I'm sure there's a deleted scene where, where they're like, right, meatloaf, get us two kids. We want some fun with some kids today. Come on, Mr. Loaf. Come on, Mr. Loaf. Come get us a couple of kids so we can hang out with and and proclaim girl power to them and there is a vague romantic plot isn't there between rich d grant and the other manager woman who's just kind of there yes yeah um uh, i've forgotten her name but she was in stuff in the 90s as well (laughs) yeah i sort of Um, vaguely recognized her but couldn't tell you her name or anything um oh she was in yeah she was in something good let me let me look up her name um, yeah, again, someone far better than than the Spice Girls movie. <laughs> yeah, just, someone who like can actually act. And someone stuff. who can act is in this, and yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a, a, a romantic subplot between them. Um, Claire Rushbrook is her name, right? Um, and yeah, you know, actually has some some real acting talent um, behind her, <laughs> but just think what are you doing in 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 this movie right now but you know it's spice girls biggest band in the world you you do it wouldn't you in 1997 
Well, yeah, exactly. Um, it probably wasn't that much filming. You know, most of it takes place on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, apparently, Stephen Fry uh, took the role in the movie because it allowed him to get autographed posters of the Spice Girls for his nephews. Oh, which is great. That's nice. Yeah, really he plays nice. a judge in a flashback. <laughs> yeah, he's there. Not a flashback. It's a, one of those yeah, fan- hazy fantasies Premovision, that they have for no uh, reason. A, a, a terrifying Premovision. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so <laughs> little little Gary Glitter factoid for you as well. Whilst oh, we're right. on facts, uh, Gary Glitter filmed a four-minute cameo appearance as himself. But shortly before this movie was to be released, he was arrested on child pornography offences. Oh no! So they deleted it from the from the final print, but still um, kept his. But they song. kept his song in, which I think is a great <laughs> fuck you, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's like you know what? We'll keep your song in, but fuck you, you're not going to be in our movie. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> a question for you. Question for you. Who is your favourite Spice Girl? Tough choice. Tough choice. But I think it's Jerry. I love all the animal facts. So I, I was I talking felt like about she got in... the wrong end. She got a kind of a bum deal being Ginger Spice because you know it's hard to build your personality around that. It's easier to be Sporty Spice or Baby Spice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, I think. What about you? So for me, Melcy Sporty Spice always my favourite. A, yeah. she can actually sing really well in real life, which is which is great. Um, whereas you know, I, I think the. People criticizing the Spice Girls for their lack of singing ability, I think, is a bit mean because they can all sing. You can hear them singing the harmonies. You can, in this yeah, song. you can. They can in sing the rehearsal with Jules Holland. They can That's sing. Real. They can sing well enough, and I think a lot of that is kind of misogynistic that people criticize them so much for being unable to sing because actually they can do they can do a fine job. But Mel C really has a brilliant voice. Um, uh, you know, likes football like all good people. Yeah from up north like all good people um and also feel like she'd have a kick about with you in the park oh yeah definitely and also released certified bop i turn to you after the spice girls broke up which do you remember i turn to you fucking, no i'm gonna have to look that fucking up. tune it's like a sort of dance anthem but pop song brilliant um and had a really great solo career for a decent time much better than the the rest of the band um kept going with music uh, much much longer than the rest of them um so yeah mel c mel c nice Not, created... no no bad options no they're all they're all great but yeah mel c is the only one i'd say that created certified bangers after the spice girls broke up yeah i can't say i remember any of them apart from jerry's cover of it's raining men oh <laughs> yes bridget jones. <laughs> yes yeah the, the, the bridget jones song um yeah so yeah but all of them, all of them are great. Spice Girls, get on it. Yeah, pop bangers of the 90s, and they made a goofy film around that. What's not to love? Yeah, so uh, I, I guess all that remains is, is there anything else you'd like to share, or should we get on to a little bit of, little bit of rating? Yeah, let's, let's do it. So uh, for the Beatles, um, how many times did people try to murder you over your sacrifice ring? Well, let's see. There were there were fifteen attempted murders. Nobody nobody got there. Only fifteen attempts. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to go one lower for fourteen. I really enjoyed this. 
Um, it's a great little curio, but I'm taking some marks off because maybe there's not quite enough romance for this podcast. No, there's just sort of vague stuff in there. Yeah, there? <laughs> they, they dance with some women. There's some flirtatious looks, um, but they he never plays really... a woman like a guitar. He plays a woman like a guitar, um, which yeah, so maybe not, um, but but not quite as romantic. Um, and as for the Spice Girls, how many children do you take out on precarious boat rides out of twenty? <laughs> well... I took eight children out on my boat in the Docklands next to the London Arena. That's, and we had a great time. And you had a great time. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for for eight kids. Eight kids out on a boat. Um, I push, Which is a good score for a ship piece, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I push four of them in. Um, because this movie, is, <laughs> this movie is a bad film, but I did enjoy it for what it is. And... Again, it's this little time capsule to another era. You can't imagine, you know, and, and this is something that we talked briefly about on the, the, the fabled lost episode, but you can't imagine bands these days doing something like Spice World or doing something like Help, can you? No, there's that, that goof factor, that kind of the unselfconscious nature of it is something that just doesn't play in the age of social media, does it? No, I think people take themselves too seriously. Obviously, you've got Harry Styles being a serious actor. But that's about as, as as far as you get. One Direction had some had some. You know, it's, it's all about your personal brand now, yeah. isn't it? And and personal brand does not include kissing a rubber alien, does it? No. <laughs> um, which yeah, so yeah, it's a shame. I'd love to see, you know, what bands would you love to see, or what what musicians would you love to see do terrible movies. We talked about this a bit on the last episode, didn't we? Where I was saying that uh, I want to see more of this from heavy metal bands, especially yes, bands of yeah. the new metal era. That we're always very fond of talking about. I think a band like Weezer could do something like something really good with this. I mean, every, they're always reinventing themselves with every new album, and I can't even keep up, even though they're one of my favorite bands. If they were to do some kind of goofy movie as well, I'd go for that. I could, I could see that. Um, for me. I'd really love to see Lana Del Rey do a movie with all of the weird witchcraft, chemtrails, everything like that included in it, um, I think would be fascinating. Um, but also, yeah, you're right. Heavy metal bands, Iron Maiden would do a great movie. Slipknot would do. Iron a... Maiden already have a plane. So that they, could replace yeah, the bus. Exactly. And they've had a video game um, as well, but as did the Spice Girls. So Spice World had a video game tie-in, which is one of the weirdest games ever to come out. So it came out on the PlayStation. Um, oh, I did not know about this. It's almost like a mini game collection. Um, so there's various different bits and bobs that you can do. Um, so you can sort of put together remixes by splicing together bits of the songs. And there's these horrifying little cartoonish CGI versions of each of the Spice Girls with like giant heads. Um, that sounds awful. It's, it's genuinely, it'll, it'll, it'll give you nightmares. Um, wait, but yeah. Sounds you... almost as bad as Prince Interactive. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's slightly more of a video game than Prince Interactive. Um, but basically what you can do is um, is give, is create dance routines and create remixes and stuff like that using these horrifying um, these horrifying clones of the Spice Girls. Um, and then it sort of unlocks interviews and music videos and things like that. 
Um, and yeah, so it's very weird. <laughs> That's a thing that exists. I'm yeah. sure it sold loads of copies in 1997 I, or whenever it was released. I, well, I've just looked at this, and the video game was sold out in the UK within several months of release. There you go. Someone owns a copy of that somewhere. I bet. Yeah, well, there's, there's there's clearly loads of copies out there. Um, but yeah, more copies than there are of three chains of gold on Laserdisc. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there are. Um, but yeah. So, but yeah, give give us more of this kind of stuff, people. Give us. I'm I'm excited that the Spice Girls are doing a weird animated movie. That's brilliant. Give us yeah, more. It's, of it's that. a good. It's the right time for them to come back into the public consciousness, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 modern bands do that as well. Who who yeah. who 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 do the youth listen to these days? Billie Eilish. Yeah, get Billie She's Eilish. Done a song for the Bond film. Yeah, go and make a go and make a movie. Now that you've done a but song for the Bond film, she's done like a documentary about her life, and actually, it's like really, really raw and exposes a lot of the difficulties of what it's like to be so online. And apparently, it's really good. But that's a documentary, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds great. But fuck that. Give us a Bond spoof. Now that you've done a Bond song. Yeah, where you're a spy, not not too far away from it now. You know, you've done the song. Now you can do the film, and then and then they're never going to release that Bond film anyway. So you might as well plug the gap. Yeah, and what she needs to do is she needs to be the spy, and then there's a mysterious other spy that's tailing her and is causing all the problems, and is the main antagonist. And then it's revealed at the end that it's her as well and a clone, and she turns around and says, "Well, what can you say? I'm the bad guy." And then bad guy starts. (laughs) See, it all fits together. I, I, I like what you did there. I like what you Billy, did there. Billy, Billy Eilish, and and your management get in touch. We at Big Boys I know you Productions. Listen every week. <laughs> we know you listen every week. Big fans, give us give us a ring. <laughs> yeah, if you want the 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 people behind a acclaimed comedy Wizard Cop to to come and make a movie with you, get in touch. I reckon you could make an amazing Bond spoof. Um, Speaking yeah. of our, our films, I found out that Opposite Day, there is a real film called Opposite Day, which came out quite a few years before we came up with the idea. But it's like a goofy family comedy, um, it's rather than the kind of the intense film that we came up with where Mark, where Mark Wahlberg saves the president. So I still think our idea is better. Yeah, but exactly. But we should talk about it at some point. Exactly. Our version is the true Opposite Day. They're just hacks. Yeah, fake. Um, fake fake news. Opposite day already existing, fake news. Not um, real. <laughs> definitely not. Um but yeah, well that is that is help and spice world. A wonderful musical magical journey that we've been on. Yeah, yeah, no, I've loved it. There's been a really, really nice um yeah, nice diversion actually to go through a few musical things. But we're going to go somewhat back into our our bread and butter next, aren't we? Yeah, you've got a you've got a fun little adventure planned for us. Yeah, so I've been thinking about royalty a lot because Prince Philip died. So I thought, let's do a film about royalty. We're going to watch The Prince and Me. Oh, excellent! I've never seen it. Have you seen it before? No, you've never seen it. No. Oh, brilliant! It's Julia Stiles, who we love, friend of the podcast, since episode one. Yeah, first so, ever yeah. episode. We're coming back in episode 202, it'll be, won't it? 202, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to I have seen it before, but I'm looking forward to watching it again. Excellent, I cannot wait. 
and to yeah it's in in honor of prince philip so rest in peace old man r.i.p prince phil um excellent he's up in heaven with his three chains of gold (laughs) chains of gold hanging out with the other prince um (laughs) right excellent all right, well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it and hope you enjoyed Help and or Spice World. If you if you haven't watched either of them, then do. Either of them, I think, is a decent diversion, you know, in this day and age, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Give them both a watch. Good, fun, weird little sort of examples of what movies were like in different eras. Yeah. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us, bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com. Um, there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's kind of like a tip jar if you want, if you like what we do. Um, other than that, all that remains to be said is that we will be back next week to talk about the Prince and me. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye.